alongside Greg Morgan and Jamie Eisner. I'm Luke Lipinski. We'll get into uh, hockey news here in just a second. Uh, of course, this podcast based out of Arizona, and we're all sort of uh, mourning the loss of former Coyotes co-owner and Governor George Gospie today. Uh, former president and CEO of the Coyotes, Anthony LeBlanc, is going to join Craig at the very end of the show, and we'll give our thoughts on, on just our personal interactions with uh, George Gospie and the time that he was here and how instrumental he was in keeping the Coyotes in Arizona. So that'll be at the end of the show. Uh, we will transition now into just hockey news around the league, starting with uh, with the Hockey Hall of Fame inductions that will be taking place this evening. Uh, Craig, Jamie, seven new members into the Hockey Hall of Fame tonight. Some of them very obvious when you see guys like Paul Correa and you see guys like Tamu Solani. I mean, those are it doesn't get a whole lot more obvious, especially with Tamu Solani and, and the career that he put together. But um, yeah, I mean, the Hockey Hall of Fame just continues to expand. You want to start? <laughs> yes. I, do, well, I'll just I'll just jump right to it. Does Mark Recchi Hall of Famer sound? Does that pass a smell test to you? Is is it too easy to get into the Hockey Hall of Fame? No, to me, Mark Recchi, no, not a Hall I, of Famer. I think it's too easy because it's it's too easy for accumulators to get in. I mean, this is the the baseball debate that happens all the time versus peak versus accumulation. And I think that's kind of the same thing we were dealing with here with Mark Recchi. Where very good player, don't get me wrong, but. You know, watching him play, I never, I don't get the Hall of Fame sense. I didn't get that he transcended the game, that he was so much better than the other players around him on the ice. Very good player, Hall of very good, but not that's a Hall down of the Fame. street. If you look at the uh, the press release that came out from from the Hall of Fame, they list stats for the other players. They, yeah. they don't really list Mark Recchi's stats. They they mention that he was on three different teams. He won a cup with three different teams, and he played a heck of a lot of games. He played 1,652 games, which is the fourth longest regular season in, in, in NHL history. And he won cups with Pittsburgh in 91, Carolina in 2006, and Boston in 2011. So he's only the 10th player in history to win cups with three different teams. But does the fact that you were there, uh, does that yeah. get you in the Hall of Fame? Uh, his, his numbers don't. They simply don't say he's a Hall of Fame player. I mean, he played an instrumental role on some of those teams, but he wasn't the guy. And I guess it just depends where your cutoff is for the Hall of Fame. If, if you know, if the thought is you had to be one of the three, four, five, six, seven, eight best players in the league at any given time, no, I mean that was never Mark Recchi. But he does have what he's over fifteen hundred career points. I mean, he's he's twelfth uh, on the all-time NHL points list. So it. It gets kind of awkward if you leave him off, because then every time you're looking at a list, the only two guys in the top, what, 20? I'm going way down, top 27 at this point that wouldn't be in the Hall of Fame would be Mark Recchi and Yarmer Yager. And Yager will be there if he ever retires, obviously. Yeah, he might never retire. It's more about the philosophical differences between how Hall of Fame should be built. Yeah. Uh, Baseball, they call it small hall, big hall. And I'm kind of of the mind I would like it to be the, the true upper echelon people that... I, f- I forgot who initially said this, but you couldn't tell the story of the game without mentioning this player in some capacity. That's, a good way. That, that's kind of the smell test that I put to players that I've seen in my lifetime and whether or not they should be a Hall of Famer or not. It's tough when you get to players that have played a very long time at a pretty decent level because then you say, you know, you look at the final points and say, wow, how can you leave somebody like that off of it? But I think I would give credit for Barry Sanders-like careers versus just staying in there a long time. Can I make any other references to any other sports in this segment? Let's see if you're going to bring up Terrell Davis, too. I think I'd go that route over the Mark Recchi route. Yeah. Like just, uh, longevity is, is it's notable. It's absolutely notable because it's hard to play this game. It's a physical game. It takes a toll on the body. But I'm still looking for elite performance, truly elite performance. So if you do it over a, you know, a shorter window like Barry Sanders did— yeah. That means something to me. Mark Recchi, again, I'm not, I'm not saying that he wasn't a very good player. I just don't think he has Hall of Fame credentials for what I'd like the Hall of Fame to represent. Let me ask you this. Do you think that he's in because he amassed those points and it took him all those games to do it? Or do you think there is an element of people looking and saying, this guy played 1,652 games. That's more than almost everybody in NHL history. That's partially why he's in, just because of the number of games played. I'm sure that some people say that there you should be rewarded for just being able to be on the ice and playing, and that's an unbelievable accomplishment. But I'm not sure that's what my personal preference for what a Hall of Fame should be would include. Only Yager, Ron Francis, Mark Messier, and Gordie Howe have played more games for whatever it's worth. How about Jeremy Jacobs? 
Yeah, I mean, we he's holding the Bruins for a really long time. So, so yeah. yeah, you're in the Hall of Fame. Even though, if we remember Jeremy Jacobs' role in the lockout, yeah, go ask players their opinions of Jeremy Jacobs. Go ask. <laughs> sorry to sorry to call him out here. Actually, he went on the record with this. Sorry to call out Shane Doan, but ask Shane Doan his opinion of Jeremy Jacobs and his role in the lockout. Uh, I don't know. I mean. I, do we get one of these guys in every once in a while simply because they've been around a long time? Hey, and this is longevity for an owner to me means far less than it does for a player. Yeah, that just, well, I don't want to diminish it, but it, essentially that means you have a lot of money and you just are, want to be around the game. I mean, I can't sit here and speak to the credentials of owners making the Hall of Fame. So I, yeah, I can't tough. have that debate with you. I, I think that just to give the, the full list of people going in, uh, retired Canadian women's ice hockey player Daniel Goyette, Boston Bruins owner Jeremy Jacobs, and college hockey coach Claire Drake, on top of the fact that Tamu Solani, Dave Andrewchuk, Mark Reckie, and Paul Correa are in. I think just from the point of view from a fan of the sport, it's just easy to look at Tamu Solani and say he's one of the very best of all time. Uh, Paul Correa... Paul Correa sort of had that career you guys were talking about where it's a shorter career, but when he played, when he was at his best, he was really good. And then Dave Andrewchuk was just, he just constantly seemed to put up points. He wasn't flashy, but he just put up a lot of points. And if you look, I've got the list of the top 50 point producers of all time here, and I'm just going to read them all. Um, no, I'm not. There are four, seven, eight of them of the top 50 aren't in the Hall of Fame. So basically, if you if you get up there in points, you just you're getting in, and and some of those eight, like I said, Yarmir Yager will be in. Joe Thornton will be in. They just they're still playing. I would assume Jerome McGinley's getting in. So three of them are still active. That's why they're not in. And then the other ones are Pierre Turgeon, Jeremy Roenick, Bernie Nichols, Vincent Damfus, and Rod Brindamore. So I mean they're eligible. I mean to the recce point, if their careers ended tomorrow, who would either of them, or both of them, or neither of them, or one over the other, make the Hall of Fame? Henrik Sedin just turned into Gen- an SAT question. Henrik Sedin of Genny Malkin. Well, I mean, we already I, know Malkin's not one of the best hundred players of that time. So I mean, I'm just, uh, just going to assume he's not going to yeah, get in. Jokes aside like, about like, that, but we, poking you know, the bees nest over. I mean, Henrik Sedin has more than a thousand points in his career. Yes, but he was. I we consider what a top five player for one, two seasons of that run. Otherwise, he was very good. Yeah. Where Evgeny Malkin has been one of the ten best players in the league pretty much since day one. Well, and I, it doesn't seem to matter. Like, Malkin's got a con Smythe, and he's got three Stanley Cups, and obviously neither of the Sedins have those. But it's funny, in hockey, that doesn't seem to carry as much weight when it comes to the Hall of Fame as it does in, like, football. Or at least, at least in football, when you're debating, you know, who the best quarterback is of all time, most people just default to, well, whoever has more rings is better. And that doesn't seem to be the case in hockey or baseball. Maybe to a certain extent in basketball it is. But it just seems like in hockey it's, it's points. And, you know, impact on the game certainly matters too. But if you have the points, it seems like you're getting in. Yeah, but like in that example, like Henrik Zin has almost 200 more points than Evgeny Malkin has played more years, obviously. But yeah. I don't think any of us would consider... Henrik Sedin the, having the better career no. than Evgeny Malkin. And I think that's what you run into when you start to look strictly at accumulation. And Henrik Sedin, again, another guy that's had a very, very good career, but doesn't make the, the Hall of Fame cut for me. Where it, Evgeny Malkin, if his career stopped tomorrow and doesn't add another point to his, his record, I think he gets in. Did you guys see the uh, story Greg Wyshynski put out talking about the current NHL players that are candidates to make the Hall of Fame. He lists like 43 of them and goes through and breaks them all down. But he has... I did not read it. Sorry. Okay, good. I, sorry, Greg. Good. I can I can spring that. For, you know what? Friend of the show, too. Yeah. Right. We're sorry, yeah, we're sorry we didn't read some names. We'll, uh, we'll react. Uh, I'll read you the ones that he says are in. And, and By the way, there aren't 43 current players that deserve to be in. No, no, no. He, okay, so just like candidates? He's got 43 and he, he's... Okay. He, are they ranked in like order or are they just there? He just has them in groups. Okay. And basically the way he graded them out was the four categories were individual production, on-ice impact, prestige, and cultural impact. And okay. so these are the... I believe it's 14. It, it's confusing because two of them are twins. But this, this is the group of... Uh, of players that, in his mind, checked off all four of those boxes. Okay. So are basically locks to get in. Uh, Zdeno Chara. If you guys nod or shake your head on the podcast, uh, yeah, it's not going to okay. do a whole lot. <laughs> um, Sidney Crosby. But just stop me when you... Obviously. When, you yeah, get, that's, when I read one that you disagree to, to with. To quote an NHL cliche, obviously. <laughs> obviously, comma. Okay. Answer uh, the question. Pavel Datsuk. Yeah. Jerome yep. McGinley. Yeah, I think McGinley's in. Patrick Kane. Yeah. Eric Carlson. 
Yep, he's going to be mm-hmm. there. Peak. Henrik Lundqvist. Yep. Yeah. Yarmir Yager. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Roberto Luongo. Hmm. Ooh, that, that's, think about that, that one. That's, that's an interesting one. Because at his peak, he was very, very good, but... Hmm. And he's I got had the to, had to do examine that. That's one interesting. Look at the numbers. It, it doesn't list Twitter impact on here. I guess maybe that goes into cultural impact. It really should factor in. Uh, Alex Ovechkin, Evgeny Malkin. Yep, yep. Joe Thornton. Yep. Mm-hmm. Henrik Sedin, Daniel Sedin. What if they only took one Sedin into the Hall of Fame after all this? <laughs> Just the ultimate. Uh, do you see the Sedins in the Hall of Fame? I, I, that's what they're they're right on the edge. They too. are on the edge. Okay. They, they have one, and that 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 does matter to me. Yeah. You should you should win. A championship, it's, it's and they were so much they that close. One, I mean, that's part of it, but it's also I. Their peak just didn't feel as dominant as the rest of those guys that you're talking about. I'd agree with same that. same thing with Luongo. I think that that's that's the problem I'm having. Where there wasn't a five or six, or for some of those guys like Crosby, a ten year run of wow, they are one of the best players at their position in the game. There was a two or three year run for the Sedins and for Luongo altogether, which is why the Canucks were so good in that run, but. I just, I, it's like they're just missing a little bit for me. But as the Hall of Fame is currently constructed, they're probably in because yeah. Mark Recchi and Dave Andrzejczyk are both in the Hall of Fame Correct. too. So yeah, right now if you get a thousand just, points, you're, you're yeah. You're I would in. I would just like to see the standard raised a bit higher. So I want all, it to be the best of the best. We're about a thousand points away, each of us, from making the Hockey Hall of Fame. Yeah, I'm working, assuming this podcast. This what, what, podcast will get a special corner. What right? were some of the names right under them? Who is the like? We need to see more from. Well, wait. Before I hit that, okay. let me ask you this. If the Canucks hold on and win the 2011 Stanley Cup, and everybody in Vancouver right now is throwing their iPods or phones against a wall, would oh, you... Burning the iPod something. Nanos? Oh, they're burning something. <laughs> yeah, the original iPod, That's actually. Honest. The ones that weigh like 15 Many, many moons ago of 2011. Uh, would you then feel much more comfortable putting both Sedins and Luongo in? Because Luongo was on that team, too. Like, would that change that much Slightly more, but I think I, I still have the issue with the peak problem. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, these other ones, you have to understand, some of these guys he's taking in terms of he's projecting their career out. Yeah. So like he's yeah. not saying that all of these guys. Patrice Bergeron, this is like his next group that checks three of the four boxes. I think Patrice Bergeron, yeah, he just keeps he, doing what he's doing. He's there's a, a yeah, there's a unique situation, right? Because he doesn't have the point production. No, but he's, but, been, such, I mean, he's been the best defensive center in and, hockey. And for he's won a cup. Maybe ever. Ever. <laughs> yeah. And he wins every faceoff. Yeah, I mean, that's got to yeah. be some sort of record. Yeah. Uh, Sergei Bobrovsky. Which I mean, Whoa. he does have two Vezinas, but yeah, I mean, yeah, still not, a bit of a roller coaster yeah, career, I'm though. Not, I, I don't yeah. know. I, honestly, that it's gonna be tough for any non uh, non Lundquist price goalie of this era to get in with the way I just yeah. No, there's no maybe loyalty to goaltenders quick. anymore. Maybe Quick would get in. Yeah, um, maybe Drew Doughty. Who obviously if he continues along path. the career path for several more yeah. years, yeah, which is which is the point that he's, that Weish is making. Um, Duncan Keith, Anze Kopitar, Marion Hosa, Carey Price, Steven Stamkos, Jonathan Taves. Yeah, probably. Yeah, all of those guys. Based I, on, I mean, Hosa cred- could probably be in that top group already. Credentials. He does make the point that Taves could make the Hall of Fame. Despite never getting north of 80 points in the season, that's mm-hmm. the exact quote. Which because he won three cups and did so much else. Yeah, I mean he was the captain of three. Yeah, but captain. He was a great that group too. He was a Selkie Trophy candidate every year. Yeah, see that group too is is the emphasis on defense, on all around game, not just offense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then for some reason he has absolutely not Patrick Maroon. Oh no, wait, I made that up myself. Okay. okay. Um, no, he does. He, he rattles through about I think it's it's 43. And some of them, I mean, like Vladimir Tarasenko. I mean, these are just guys that are too far. If they yeah. keep doing what they're doing, if, if he's going to score 40, like Austin How far Matthews. How do you get to Connor McDavid? Yeah. Austin Matthews, right. Um, this isn't TSN, so McDavid's not already in. He's the next group. But it's just if he just keeps doing what well, he's yeah. doing. Well, yeah. He's automatically in. Okay. That's uh, that's about all I have on the Hall of Fame. Okay. You guys, this is the most I've ever spoken about the Hall of Fame on a podcast. I just I always have this, this reaction when, when the – and it's not just in hockey. I, I tend to think, by and large, that Hall of Fames are too inclusive – I agree. Yeah, you guys want it like, you want the Bill Simmons model for basketball. I want it exclusive. Do you like exclusive. that? Do you like that model where there's different levels inside the Hall of Fame? No. Okay. Yeah, like no, get just, in or you don't. Yeah. All right. Fine. You, you guys have, have you get Yeah, I, I mean, the, the, you know, put in the base. There can be some exceptions for if somebody's just has an unbelievable knack for scoring in the postseason. They made ten postseasons and they averaging a one and a half points per game and they've won multiple cups. Maybe so. They, Daniel Breer, Justin Williams. <laughs> The game seven wing of the Hall of Fame. One multiple cups. Oh, 
Okay, fair enough. So, have you guys been to the Hall of Fame? Mm-hmm. I have not. Oh, wow. I have. Field trip. We'll do the show. That natural hat trick goes to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's right. That, broadcast from the Hall of Fame. That's the only way we'll ever get Media into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody goes there anyway. It'd be empty. So. Are there any lights on in that part of the? That's how they save power. <laughs> oh, you'll be at home. You've recorded podcasts with no lights before, so. It's oh, right. absolutely. I would. I'd be very comfortable. Uh, let's talk about hockey's best team, the New York Rangers, who have now uh, not lost in the month of November. <laughs> They have won, not only have they won six in a row, but they've beaten some good teams. Like, they've beaten Tampa, who's only going to lose four games all season, so that's impressive. Uh, they beat Vegas and sent them down their path of, of losing a lot until they beat Winnipeg on Friday. Uh, they beat Boston. They beat Columbus. Uh, beating Edmonton doesn't mean a whole lot. But what's uh, – how sustainable is this for the Rangers? Well, I think you should just ask Chris Schubert. I think he had the answer to the question. Yeah, yeah our producer Mike, back though. there. Yeah, I'll just yeah, paraphrase. We'll just, Mike. we'll just paraphrase what he just said. Just yell really loud when we, when we asked what's uh, what's the difference been for the Rangers over the last six games. He said, and I quote, "They're scoring more goals than the other teams." Which, I mean, it's a flawless argument. Next level analysis, hundred percent accurate. Also, somehow not in a playoff spot. No, but I went back and looked at all six of those wins, and he was right each time. They outscored yeah. the opponent. Yeah. Mm. They almost say like correlation and causation aren't equal, but. I mean, it is a small sample size, so I don't want to make that total yeah. leap. But, yeah, there's something to it. Uh, I went a different way, and I looked at the stats of certain Rangers over the last six games. <laughs> Whatever. I don't know why I did that. But uh, Kevin Shattenkirk has been a beast. He's been a beast all season, really. And it almost feels like an extra slap in the face to Capitals fans because not only was he fairly abysmal for them in the playoffs last year, or just non-existent. Fairly abysmal. I like that. Yeah. That was another Fairly working, abysmal Capitals playoff story. <laughs> working title for their... Uh, <laughs> Team history book. Wow. <laughs> Jamie took me down that path. I wasn't going there. Uh, but then he goes to a division rival and, and just lights it up. So uh, Rick Nash, though, is scoring goals. Hey, welcome back to the league, Rick. Do you guys remember Rick Nash? For now. Vaguely. Remember how good Rick Nash was when he was in Columbus? Yeah. When was that? Was that the 70s? <laughs> it feels like forever ago. Yes. It's about 30 years before Columbus was a team. Wow. Somebody's Siri. phone's ringing. Let's see whose it is. Jamie, is your phone on? Uh, no? Oh. Oh. Well. Does he want to come back on the show? <laughs> okay. Uh, my phone's also not on, so. It, it I was thought an I important had solved call. all this. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. Um, Luke and I are professionals, so we know how to, to silence our phones when we come into the studio. But we also don't have that individual calling our phone right now, so maybe that's why it's yeah. silent. You have, like, a, a, a special ring for certain people when they call in. <laughs> um... Yeah, I mean, that's it. I'm willing to go that deep into the Rangers. I was easily distracted from talking about them. It doesn't take so much. So just ripping on the Capitals again just because it's a thing, <laughs> yes. a thing to do? But they have won six in a row, and they were going to fire their coach about six games ago, right. apparently. Yeah. So well, he bought himself some time. Things are looking good for Alain Vigneault. But, I mean, they're still not cup contenders, but no. things are looking better. But are they a playoff team? They should be a playoff they should be a playoff team. Playoff they should, team. yeah. It, it, it would be a massive disappointment if they're not. I guess the better way to approach this, though, is what does that say about the view of Alain Vigneault from his players because it would be really easy hey we're about a game or a loss or two away from our coach getting fired to just sort of come out there flat for two games and then that's it and one of those games was against uh was against Tampa Bay I mean it would have been really easy to lose a couple games they were down if in fact the very start of the streak they were down 4-2 to Vegas in the third period and they yeah. came back and scored four on Halloween yeah so there was some level of rallying around Vigneault right this isn't just a coincidence I don't know cool you put that <laughs> yeah, I mean, with, without there being there, it's tough to yeah. it's tough to tell. I can speculate if you'd like. <laughs> you know what? Let's just go back to Chris's analysis that they scored more goals than the other teams. And they, and you mentioned Tampa, which is really never going to lose again. The best team in the NHL and on pace for 137 points right now, which I believe would be an NHL record, right? That that surpasses sound, the Canadians. It, yeah, it sounds it? pretty okay. And that sounds low based on what they're doing. They've lost four games all year. They're 14-2-2 two two as we record this, and they don't play again until Thursday. So if you haven't listened to this by Thursday, I mean, come on, what are you doing? 14-2-2, two and, two, and they just, I mean, they trash everybody. They went into L.A. the other night, and just that game was over in the first period. And the Kings are having a really good year. They just, they beat everybody. They beat Pittsburgh twice this year by, what, 7-1 and 5-4 scores. Well, see, here's the thing. They just do everything well. Yeah. Maybe this is why Mike Babcock and Lou Lamorello are so upset, because they're they're six points behind them already in the division, even though they're twelve and seven. Because Toronto, you know, things aren't going well in Toronto apparently. <laughs> Are they over that yet? Are they ever going to be over that? I don't know. I don't get it. I don't. I don't understand what they're so upset about. Maybe it's just. Maybe it's that like old old guard raised the expectations even higher. 
yeah. on these twenty somethings, a young, 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 young team. I said even even Yankees fans chilled out this I mean, year with a good on. young team that's ascending, and now Maple Leafs fans are the insane ones. Well, to be fair, I think the Yankees have probably won more championships in the last fifty years than True. the uh, Maple Leafs. Than everybody, so, yeah. So even getting to one. Did you hear him that, that New York comment? Or then everybody? Yeah, that's obviously not where I was going. Uh, if you just go by points, and, and Toronto has played a couple more games than some teams, but if you just go by points in the standings, Tampa Bay has the best record in hockey with 30 points. St. Louis has 27. And then Toronto is tied for the third best record in all of hockey with 24. So you're right. Might be a decent time to chill out enough to at least kind of enjoy what you have right now. Are you calling the Atlantic the best division in hockey? Absolutely not. Okay. Not in the NHL. I mean, maybe there's like a different hockey. The Ottawa Senators are 8-3-5. and five. That's that's, That's a nice. 500 record. Yeah, actually, they're 500. But, mm-hmm. but not in the NHL. But only three regulation losses. Also, did the league like, forget to schedule enough games for Carolina? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> apparently. Carolina's played 15 games, and they're not winning a lot of them. As if Carolina wasn't already sort of having a forgettable enough season. They're, they're, they're doing this again. And watch, watch. They're going to have a strong second half, and everyone's going to go, oh, it's oh, Carolina. They're coming. Like, they're, they're, coming. they're coming. They're not. I'm sick, I'm sick of the charade. Do we talk Jamie's about this already, enough. what's going to happen with Carolina? If, if they actually ever realize their potential, they'll just sell off the players. That's, yeah. that's what's going to happen. The Marlins. A depressing. So everybody future. was talking about watch Carolina in a couple of years. Okay, yeah, watch them in a couple of years. Watch where some of their best players are playing. So here's the obstacles in front of Carolina. A, they don't really have a potential superstar. They've got some good players. Uh, B, they don't even get to play games because the NHL doesn't seem to schedule them. It's and like the Roadrunners. And C, <laughs> C even if they, uh, they do get good, Craig says they're going to lose most of their players anyway. They're good ones. Other than that, it's a rosy outlook. Yeah, it's Hurricane great. fans. Speaking of rosy outlooks. Sp- speaking of rosy outlooks, remember when Florida was good for five and a half months of hockey? And then- remember when Gerard Gallant coached them? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, if you want to look at Vegas, and I, I, it, I marvel at how everybody's like, oh, how are they doing this? And, and actually, they, they went on a fairly decent losing streak just recently. But how they're doing it is they have a really good coach that shouldn't have been available this year. That's how they're doing it. Maybe. It's, I mean, it's. I mean, the goalies situation has been insane there. Yeah, and they they had a rough road trip, but they yeah. stabilized a bit when they came home. They they've still far out exceeded my expectations. They're scoring like crazy. They can How lose are they game. doing that with How that team? They, yes. and it's not just James Neal. No, really, James Neal has sort of slowed down. He's, he's cooled off. He had the game winner in each of their first three games, which obviously helps when you're you know starting off a franchise. But he. He's got nine goals. He leads the team. But, I mean, it's David Perron with 14 points. It's William Carlson, Riley Smith. Jonathan Marcheseau is interesting to me because I heard this point on the radio driving in that part of the reason some people feel Vegas is having this sort of success is it's just a bunch of – there's a bunch of players on the team that can get it in their mind that nobody else wanted them. And the thought was, you know, some of that is is maybe – that's that's maybe, you know, you constructing that as extra motivation – but you probably could have got almost any of these guys for a second pick, second round pick before the expansion draft happened. Marchessault had 30 goals last year. Yeah, Why didn't anybody yeah. go after him? I don't know. I, I don't understand that one in particular. But still, I mean, when you talk about motivation, uh, feeling jilted as motivation for winning, I mean, that'll carry you so far. But we're. we're Derek England has nine we're, points. We're, we're almost a quarter of the way through the season, and Vegas is still keeping this up. It's just, it's, it's baffling to me. They're scoring. More than three and a half goals a game. They're fourth in the NHL in goals per game. Lucas Pisa and Derek England are productive players. How? Derek England's career How? high for points. Care to guess it? 19. Yeah. 17 with the oh, Penguins back in the 2011-12 season. By the way, the top three scoring teams in the are all in the best division in hockey, the, the Atlantic. I also do like how Oscar, Toronto and Ottawa. You don't believe that. No, I don't. Ottawa's one of the top scoring teams 3. in the 3.63. That's another crazy story. Yes, Ottawa. Mark Stone is having a great year, mm-hmm. and he's kind of been overlooked. Now they've got Duchesne for a long time. Well, Oscar Lindbergh's continuing his trend of never getting an assist ever. I feel like it's my fault as the, the person tasked with driving the show to not let us veer off in the Oscar Lindbergh uh, Direction. We just we just but, threw out like nine different teams. But speaking, but speaking the Oscar of Oscar tangent, speaking of Oscars, <laughs> oh boy, okay. Oscar Dance has actually been a pretty decent job for somebody that wasn't supposed to play any minutes this year. He's only played four games, but yeah, their goalies. I mean, they've all at least the first three were all pretty impressive. Flurry was supposed to be impressive, but for Subban to switch teams and be impressive, and for Dansk to come in and he he was lights out until he got hurt too. It's it's remarkable. I want to go down this path because I texted you guys this, I think this was Friday I heard it. Famous Oscars? Yes. Okay. That's really what this uh, Oscars, Oscars, Oscars de la Hoya. Yeah. 
Yeah, we'll make that a Lipinski Oscar list. Oscar the Grouch. Months. Oscar, that's it. Those are the two right there. <laughs> okay. You just named them both. And now Oscar Dansk is third. I was listening to a very prominent Canadian radio station, like a, a reputable station, right? This, I, this was either Thursday or Friday. And I told you guys this, but I'll repeat it for the listeners. I didn't even listen for 10 minutes before they had made the claim that Ottawa needs to win the Cup this year because <laughs> they just got Matthew, Matthew Shane. And, and what, what was the point of the trade if you're not going to win the Cup this year? Um, there's definitely a fear up there they're going to lose him after next year. Uh, also heard Toronto probably is going to have to trade Mitch Marner at some point in the next two years, so why not just do it now? Straight up for Oliver ekman Larson, because, yeah. of course, the Coyotes would do that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah. Um, There's angst from Toronto fans about, should we do this? Should we do this straight up? Marner for OEL? I've, I've actually read a, that. That, that. That part's the hilarious part to it me. It is hilarious. Any GM, if they, if they were Marner getting ekman Larson for Marner, they would do it in a heartbeat. <laughs> I don't even insane. know what to say. I can't even make an analogy for that. It's, it's like when Craig walks in here with Subway and he's like, could I trade you this for Flemings? I don't know if I... And if, if Can Craig I trade you debating. a corner outfield for your ace starting pitcher? <laughs> like Jamie's reference. I'm just going to keep making different That's crossword references. That's a extreme. Uh, Mitch Barr is a good player. He is. But, he is a good player. But he's a wing. And you're not getting a top-scoring so defenseman. It's a good, for, good corner for a outfielder. Wing. No. <laughs> All right. From, uh, um, if, even if they're of equal talent, one of them is, plays a much more difficult position. That's... That right there says it. Yep. If they were the exact same player, you're always going to take the defenseman over the winger. You might take a center over a defenseman. That's about it, though. Let's start the counter rumor. Should we? Should they trade him for? Should they give him up for uh, Austin Matthews? Austin Matthews. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Should I they do that? Should the Caddies do that? Yeah, it'd be an interesting story. You know, Arizona. I don't know if you've heard, but he's he was born in Arizona. Well, he actually mm-hmm. wasn't. He was born in California. But he he was of course, in Arizona. of course, he wants to come back. So actually, he was, would probably do that. He was right? born in California. Maybe he goes to the Kings. That doesn't make any sense. All the good players go to Toronto. That's Arizona narrative. Oh, okay. Yeah, what do you, don't, you're messing up so many narratives. All the good players always want to go to Toronto. Matthew Kachuk is an Arizona product. Uh, that's Come right. on. As is uh, Sean Couturier. Right, right. He's having a good year, too. Uh, also, in those seven to ten minutes I heard, Montreal may have an issue because Carey Price might want to leave and go west. Again, this is... Oh, go west might, to what? Might be a good thing right now. <laughs> go west <laughs> to where? It's a long, large contract. Maybe like on a Lewis and Clark tour or okay. something. I don't know. No. Okay. Um, the Oregon Trail. It was just, it was, there was another one I already forgot. But I mean, how about that? Seven minutes. Ottawa has to win the cup. Toronto probably should just trade Mitch Marner at this point. You know, he's a year into his career. He's basically. And, and Carey Price wants out. Nothing Carey from Price. Western Canada? No. Okay. The show was based in Eastern okay. Canada. So okay. So they don't, yeah, so they don't, they don't care, care about, about Alberta or British things. Columbia at that point. I was shocked they brought up uh, Ottawa. No know. angst over Edmonton? Okay. No, Edmonton's fine. They're. Oh, they've won. No, they haven't won. They've, they've lost two. The, they've got the third best GM in hockey. They'll figure it out. Yeah, they'll put this together. Uh, should we should we mention how our pre-show meeting went? When uh, <laughs> <laughs> so the three of us were supposed to have a pre-show meeting, and uh, Jamie was not there, so Craig drew. And this was in the public. This was not like in one of the meeting this rooms was at here. Panera. Yes. shout out. You yeah. guys can sponsor our podcast. By yeah, the way, just if you, if you cater our podcast, we'll, we can be bought. Yeah. Oh, very cheaply. Uh, so Craig, in front of a bunch of stunned onlookers. Takes a napkin. Did you borrow a pen from, like, the waitress or I something? Did. I borrowed. I think I gave it back. I hope I gave it back. Klepto. And then he uh, he drew a face on the napkin, and we put that in the third chair as Napkin Jamie. And he, I got to say, Napkin Jamie much more agreeable in the pre-show meeting than regular Contributed Jamie. Contributed so much more, too. <laughs> he did. And when we told regular Jamie, he flew off in a jealous rage, but still said, Napkin Jamie more useful than Peter Chiarelli. It's true. <laughs> That was it. That's how. That's why the show is as disjointed as it is right now because of our pre-show. I believe my exact quote was, "I'd be a better GM than Chiarelli, and I'm a napkin." <laughs> You'll yep. see this tweet. A later. Self-aware. Uh, You'll see it. the napkin later on Twitter. Yeah, I, I did take a picture of Craig in a heated discussion with Napkin Jamie. Things got uncomfortable for me, and probably those at the tables around us. Yeah, the, the, this photo was meant for caption this, so I'm just going to trust Luca Craig to tweet it out with just best caption. Yeah, I, I've, I've I've got a plan. Uh, Tampa Bay is. Unstoppable. I and we talked about this before the show. There might not be anything else to say, but I don't. Who beats them in a seven-game series? I have no idea. I mean, and so much can happen, obviously, with injuries and right now, I, I don't especially know. with that. Right team. now, the way they're playing, it, this is what we expected last year. If they had been healthy, they look so good, and they're so much fun to watch too. I'm just fine with Tampa winning the cup. Yeah, I want to watch them play in the playoffs. I want every series to go seven games. 
any concern that and they, they could in the Atlantic Division because you know all the best teams are there, the best right? division well, in hockey. I mean, I would pay for a second round Toronto Tampa Bay seven games. Oh God, it would be incredible. How much would you pay though? Because if you're going to the game, you're going to be paying like depends well, on depends, how much Panera's giving us. Also, it depends on where the game is. Yeah, that's the good points. Napkin Jamie, just his favorite saying is, we need to clean that up. Jeez. Wow. Good God. <laughs> Moving along. Oh, my goodness. No, I actually think we How do we pin it off of that point now? And just let that sink in for the audience. <laughs> there we go. I just wanted everybody to really think about what Craig just said. You get this kind of humor with Dave Vest, too, don't you? Yeah. It's the same. So you I, know, I, maybe I should apologize then. I don't want guys, to call bad out jokes Dave is all Vest. I have. Uh, like, yeah, we don't want to infringe like, It's really all I have. Jamie's thing. So let's uh, let's move on. Here's a this isn't even a joke. The Winnipeg Jets play the uh, Titanic song by Celine Dion after wins in their locker room. <laughs> Are we allowed to tell people that, or is that like inside information? Well, you already did. So. Okay, I guess I should ask that question first before I said it. But that's their ha- music. Have you seen those montages on Twitter and YouTube and Rest in Peace Vine, uh, where they used to like for big sports moments they just play that Celine Dion song? My no. heart will go on to no, like no. big sports moments. No, you dream that up. No, you, you have to go watch it. It's like, like game-winning goals or, or home runs that just slow it down a little bit. Ever so slightly, play it by like three-quarter speed. Mm-hmm. And just play that song in the background. The Titanic theme? Yeah. It's, it's unbelievably I, fitting. I don't get it. Well, they were blasting it out of their locker room it's a following love song. the win. It's a love song. I know. And I asked about it. I asked, but it, it's apparently a state secret. Because the PR guys didn't tell me, and the, the website writer for, the, for WinnipegJets.com, Mitchell Clinton, said... They were asked about it a few games ago, and they really didn't want to say much about it. So it's... So were we not supposed to say anything here? It's a deep secret. I think that what it is is probably somebody played it for whatever reason that we're not ever going to know unless they win the cup. And then they were winning games. And you know hockey players. If you're winning, you're not messing with what you did before the game. So... I think we've cracked the uh, half the mystery. It was I don't really odd walking past the locker room that night it, and hearing it, that literally blaring out because yeah. it, it it's a it's a long tunnel to even get to the lock the visiting locker room at Gila River Arena, but it was so loud. Yeah, I wish I could have. It's embarrassing. Saw the expression on Craig's face at least because you you were walking towards it after I'd already mm-hmm. walked past it, and uh, I wish I could have seen the look on my own face when I originally walked past well, it. Well, you were singing. I saw. It. Well, yeah, I mean, but I, I like to yeah, I like to get you're, passionate. You're, about you're it. big Celine Dion fan. All right, on the count of three, we're all going to sing the song, right? No. Acapella style? Yes, you yes. start. All right, ready? Two, three, two, three. one. We did this last week on something, too. We, we, none of us trust each other. It's true. Because we're smart. Yeah, it's just by good reason. Uh, Jason Zucker is the only player on Minnesota. Discuss. <laughs> uh, I will um, reiterate my point. They peaked midseason last year, and it's been all downhill since then. Well, he, he didn't, though. He didn't, but the team did. They've scored six goals in their last three games. Jason Zucker has scored six of those six goals. Uh, they've won a couple of the games because Devin Dubnik, I guess, is the other player on the team, has a couple shutouts in there. But I don't remember I'm, three games. I guess isn't that much in the grand scheme of things. But I really don't remember a stretch in the last few years where one player just scored a hundred percent of his team's goals for a week. Not even McDavid's done that. No, he, he needs. He will to. be though. So. He needs to. <laughs> Although, uh, yeah, I'll take all of the McDavid Drysaddle overtime pairings for from now till the end of time. We're we're tiptoeing around talking about Edmonton. I think we all just want to for oh, a second. They're so bad. It's so it's so great. Oh boy, it's so great that they're they're exact. They're they're the frauds we thought they were at the beginning of the year. <laughs> they are. I didn't think they were going to be this bad. No. Well, I mean, they're six nine and no. two. I mean, no, no. They're. they're I mean, not they're good. they're no. We thought they would be a. We're, we were approaching Thanksgiving, right? What are we? Two weeks. We're two weeks away from that magical date where like three not quarters even. of the teams that mm-hmm. we're like ten days away from Thanksgiving, it's, it's, and it's about seventy-five percent somewhere around there. Eighty, a little. Is I it believe 80? it's eighty. Yeah, eighty percent of the teams that are in the playoffs after Thanksgiving make the playoffs. Is that what it is? Yeah, but I don't know how far Ooh. back this goes. This isn't right. just last year, but I, it, I, it's, it's a like, while. Is it okay? I feel like it, it, it's a big sample, at least for the the full lockout, whatever the Dan lockout. I can't remember what we named the full yeah. season lockout. You have to go back and listen to episode Dan and Beth. There was, yeah, there was at least, I don't remember the name. We named the lockouts. I don't know why we named the lockouts, but we named the lockouts. We didn't have special guest Craig Morgan on the show yet, so we were just, we were grasping for topics. Yeah. Mm. And also, to be honest, the lockouts need to be lame, named so we can, uh, we can Identify. figure it out. Well, we're going to name the next one. <laughs> We've got time. Uh, Connor McDavid does have 19 points, and his team has 38 total goals, so he has literally factored into 50% of his team's offense. I believe year. somebody tweeted this out the other day, that aside from uh, Dreisaitl, actually, no, it might even include him now because he, he missed some time. 
that both Eberle and Hall have more points than any non-Connor McDavid player on yeah. the Oilers. So that's nice. I read Too bad an, they don't have guys like that. I read an analysis suggesting that Edmonton is not as bad as it, it appears, but they just they just need to find secondary secondary scoring. Really? Where are they going to find that? I don't know. That's the problem. You can find so in New Jersey. I think they are as bad as their record. And New York. Because nobody is doing anything on this team. Well, the reason we they need to get into overtime so that Drysaddle and so that everybody that's not named McDavid cannot play. Then they're unstoppable. They can put McDavid, Drysaddle, and they can put Adam. Nutrition Hopkins has been decent so far, and that's about it. I'm surprised that the the plan of oh Ryan Strom's not good. Uh, I'm shocked by that personally. Craig and I were talking about this at the pre-show meeting. There was a play in last night. Napkin Jamie was talking about it too. To be fair, yeah, Napkin Jamie wouldn't quiet down. In fact, he was kind of rude. He kept interrupting. Wonder where he learned that. But uh, McDavid had a play where he was on a breakaway. They played Washington last night. Hope he stopped him. But because McDavid is so good, he was still able to scoop up the puck as he was going past the net and throw it right out in front. I don't know if Jamie saw this or not, but this play had Jamie written all over it. Throws a perfect pass right in front within a split second. So hope he's not even set because he just made the save. Right to Ryan Strom, who proceeded to shoot it sideways about four feet. I can believe that. Which family has, is going out for the more mediocre trio, the Stroms or the Reinhardts? So let's uh, talk about that for a second. I'll get back to yeah. Edmonton's dabbled in both of those. You know who's playing really well? Taylor Hall. Yeah, he is. He also has 19 points. God, if only the Oilers can find players. If they were only lucky enough to pick first in the draft enough times so they can get a player like that yeah. and add him to their well, team. They may be back there again this year. We need to stop saying that because if it happens, everybody's going to blame us. No, at that point, there will be riots. It happened. We I think they'll this. start in Vancouver. <laughs> we, we, we joked about this when the McDavid draft year. That, oh, there's no way the Edmonton's going to get the number one pick again, are they? And Like, oh, yeah, of course they are, but then they did. You know what? I got to say, that year when Edmonton got McDavid was the one year that I really kind of had forgotten about Edmonton moving up and winning every year. Like, I just assumed there's, I just assumed there was no way it would happen. So when I looked at all the teams, I was like, okay, well, Buffalo is demoting every player that they have that plays well. They're going to get McDavid. Buffalo was, it was, yeah. That yeah. was hilarious. Their goaltender had two good games they traded. <laughs> and they bring in the next guy. He has a so good game. Good. He, gets, he gets demoted. Yes, Mike Harrington, get also friend of the show, <laughs> put it one time, an obvious tank. <laughs> yes. And, yes, uh, we all knew it. Yeah. And then for Edmonton to swoop up and grab McDavid that year is <laughs> something the league is still recovering from. Uh, I pose this question to Craig, too, Jamie. I'll, I'll toss this at you real quick before we move on. If you redid the 2015 draft, Jack Eichel's still the second pick, correct? Well, let me let me pull let me pull this up a little bit. Okay, I, th- I think I, I I love these activities of like going back and trying to redo the draft. I think that you're going to probably say he should still be the second pick, but I'm just wondering probably, how, how yeah. close it is now in your mind. Because remember when that but, draft happened, it was very clear. Here's your top two guys, McDavid and Eichel, and then there was that week where everybody's like, "Well, what if Eichel has surpassed McDavid?" Well, yeah, but that that's that's the idiocy we always see at the top of the draft. Where people yes. get bored. They legitimately get bored about talking about the clear number one pick, so they have to create a, a faux controversy at the top. It's like the NFL draft every year when January yep. rolls around and no quarterbacks are going to be taken in the top round. Well, that's true, but then you know then the Bears do something stupid and trade up one pick. Never mind. Uh, I, I, I don't want to throw that. <laughs> yeah, Eichel's still number two. Um, Dylan Strump's certainly not number three. I guess maybe it's Wierenski that's third. I mean, the I Marner just, four. There, there's, there's a lot of good players in that draft, like Marner, Mika Provorov, Rantanen, Rantanen um, Barzal, Kyle Connor are now playing. Erickson yeah. Eck. I mean, none of these guys would move up to two. Brock Besser. But I'm just – there's – I think it's a lot closer now than at the time. It was just here's your clear two, and that's it. Yeah, uh, and the question is, is like who goes, comes in at number three now? I mean, Sebastian Ajo was a second rounder. Brendan Carlo was a second rounder. He still I mean, doesn't so have were... a goal yet this year. Ajo. Yeah, that's he's kind of having an, an odd season, but you... but Carolina doesn't have any games scheduled, so maybe that's yeah, they don't why. get to play at all. But yeah, I mean, I wonder if you, if you got to redo the draft today, who the Coyotes would would take? Guarantee it would be different. Yes, I can guarantee that, too. But Eichel would still be number two, is where we're yeah, at. Yeah, right I don't think anybody else has quite surpassed him yet. I just, it's probably not his fault, but it is sort of a stunner that Buffalo's this bad again. Oh, yeah. They, sh- they should be better, but they're not. Like, that, that's, it's, it's a weird thing to say. Like, you look at their roster on paper and say, okay, this team shouldn't be at the very bottom or near the bottom of the Eastern Conference standings every single year. But they also never show signs of improving. And, and as Mike Harrington told us, uh, and you, when you look at this roster, they're, they're still lacking a lot of depth, right? 
Yeah, but they shouldn't be this bad. I, I, I mean, when you have those two centers up the middle, yeah, you should be better than this. Evander Kane is on pace to shatter his career high in goals, which isn't mm-hmm. bad. His career high was 30, and I believe he had 28 last year. He's on pace for like 45 right now or something. Yeah. So you're getting production out of him, too. You've got issues on your blue line, though. I just, I'm just and if you just look at Chicago, you realize how much that matters, yep. even when you have world-class talent up front. Just saying. All right, it's, it's just disappointing that three of the top 25 centers in the league are wasting away to Edmonton and Buffalo. Yeah. It's disappointing. Yeah. Yeah, it really, it, it sort of just... In a league with no centers. In the theory three of them are wasting away on those teams. I, yeah. I, <laughs> which one of those is more surprising to you that they're this bad? between Edmonton and Buffalo. Because my thought on Edmonton was the reason that my outlook for them hasn't been great is because next year Connor McDavid's contract kicks in and they can't ever add anybody. But I thought they'd still be okay. I just thought they would be okay and stuck at okay. Well, I, I mean, I, I was on the Buffalo still sucks bandwagon when the season began, so them struggling doesn't surprise me. Edmonton improve. I thought Buffalo would improve, but yeah, I wasn't sure. I thought Edmonton would be a wild card team. So them, them having a losing record is probably a little bit more surprising. Yeah, but fair. we were both, I mean, we were low on them, too. I think everybody, everybody else had them in the cup, and we were like, this is a very flawed team. Oh, yeah. That, that, that was our hope, or at least my whole point in the preseason, is that I don't know how they're going to get to a cup because this is kind of what they have. So maybe they're seeing the Colts. Getting to the second round. They're the Colts of, of hockey. Oh, that makes Connor McDavid Andrew Luck. Yes. Wow. Okay. A healthy Andrew Luck. That's all they are. It masks, masks a lot of flaws, but those teams are still very, very poorly constructed. Let's uh, mm-hmm. let's mm-hmm. let Craig go on a run here. Do I have to? Well, yeah, you put in the notes that you wanted to lament the Blackhawks. Well, here, here's here's my only question to you, in particular, well, Luke. Who are you addressing? Do you believe me now, Luke? Huh? Well, are you on board now? You're gonna have to give I'll me a punk, specific believe him? <laughs> sentence before I can agree yes or no. Do you agree you. now that the Blackhawks are a marginal playoff team? That the Blackhawks could miss the playoffs? I do not agree that they could miss the playoffs. Hmm. I, I'd be willing to bet something substantial that they make the playoffs. I will agree with you that they are flawed. Uh, watching that game last night against New Jersey in which they were up 4-1 at home and lost 7-5 was... That, yeah, that was brutal. It was horrible. It was horrible. And Joel Quenville's expression on the bench was just priceless. <laughs> Is he he's still a coach there next he, year, do you think? Uh, I, I hope that that's not where the axe falls. Well, I'm not even saying that they would be crazy enough to fire Joel Quenville. Does he just get fed up and leave? Like, if they don't win a playoff well, series possible. again this year. That's possible. If he has to deal with more yeah. Stan Bowman moves, maybe he will just move on. It depends because, on how much tension there is. that's where the problem lies, as I've said many times. And on defense. And you know what else I'm tired of reading when I read Blackhawks analysis? Uh, Connor Murphy has not be, he's, is not the player that the Blackhawks expected him to be. What did you expect him to be? He's a third-pairing defenseman. That's who he is. The Blackhawks should stop trading for Heck of a nice guy. Defense. Love Connor. But still, no, he's... Still talk to Connor Murphy. We all do. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's a good guy, but he's a third-pairing defenseman, yes. and he's never going to be anything more. And I feel like that's exactly what Joel Quenville expected when they made that trade. Hence his reaction when Maybe they made the trade. Maybe that's why he stormed out of the hotel? Yeah. Oh, no, that was... On draft night? Just, uh, he had well, somewhere to be. Well, yeah. yeah. He had somewhere well, else again, to be. Well, again, you traded Jarmerson <laughs> for... Yeah, he had somewhere else to be. Somewhere, like, yeah, he was anywhere but here. <laughs> well, you, tra- you traded Jarmerson for a third-pairing defenseman and a fifth-line center. So that's great. Is that bad? Now, Chicago's lost eight of their last 12 oh. after starting the year 4-1-1. One, and one. Yeah. I still yeah. think they're a playoff team. Okay. But, I mean... <sighs> they are flawed. I mean, I think we're all assuming Vegas doesn't make the playoffs. So then... Which is... <sighs> but... I've never heard Craig's voice reach that octave before. Let's I mean, if, if Winnipeg gets even halfway used to goaltending, they're not Here, falling here's, out. Here's the, here's the team that's going to climb into the playoffs, though, to replace Vegas Anaheim yes. when they get healthy. Yes. So who else are you taking out? You're saying the Blackhawks maybe pass Calgary? Is that what you're thinking? Because uh, St. Louis, Winnipeg, Nashville, do you think those teams are falling behind the Blackhawks? Not St. Louis. Winnipeg uh, just wins every I have time an they irrational play the love for, for so that's the way that team is constructed. coming. <laughs> that's true. They do always beat, <laughs> they always beat the Blackhawks. <laughs> Uh, okay, wait, so let's look at this in the West. We're saying St. Louis is definitely in. We're saying L.A. is definitely in. San Jose. Those are the only three I would say are definitely in. Um, I'm putting Nashville in, too. Okay. Nashville looks good lately. That's fair. Rene's actually played really well. Yeah, that's, see, then that's my one question mark about that team is will yeah. he remain well, consistent? But, but he has been, I mean, yeah. even better than really he was the last two years. That's how good he's been so far. So if we're going to put Chicago in, what two teams are dropping out for you? 
Well, we have to take two teams out just to fit Chicago. If you put oh, Chicago, you're saying Anaheim's not making the playoffs? Or Anaheim, oh, yeah. I just don't think they're a lock to make the playoffs. I think they're more of a lock than Vegas or even San Jose. Or Chicago. <laughs> they have a much better blue line when well, it gets healthy. I, I look at this, I say Vegas, Calgary, and San Jose are the ones that go, maybe? I think San Jose gets in. But the I only reason in. I would say Anaheim might not is just if it takes too long for them to get healthy and they fall behind. But they're, they're at 500. I mean, they're at NHL 500. Yeah. But they're only one point they're out one of the playoffs. They'll be in. They're, they're, they're doing what they need to do until they get healthy. They're going to the Western Conference Final. I'm not, I'm not even I'm not even phased by this early season start. Anaheim? Yeah. Okay. I just I think that Chicago will find a way to get in. I don't know what they do when they get there. Somebody will slip Lose up. the first round. But perhaps. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Chicago, LA, said, or Chicago, said, St. Louis. As, as we have said before, and look, and I, I don't know what sort of progress those young defensemen are going to make that they're playing. At least they're playing them significant minutes now because they need to. It's not, they don't have any other options at this point. Brent Seabrook has dropped in minutes, and that that needed to happen. The only thing again that we keep talking about is what does Chicago do in terms of moves? They do have some cap space now because of the guys on long-term injured reserves, so they may be able to go out and get someone that could. Really jumpstart this. If they if they find a top four defenseman, that could change some things for them. But man, right now that blue line, it's an utter disaster right now. Well, apparently you can just make any offer and you'll get Oliver Ekman Larson. So maybe they well, that's should. True. Maybe the, maybe the Blackhawks will just get Oliver Ekman Larson. Who, who yeah. would they? Who would be? They have. Like uh, a Mary's the host's contract. Okay. Yeah. Loss. And then, but then Chicago has to Lance Boma to Toronto. Yeah. Lance Boma, Mary Hosta's contract, and Patrick Laleem for. <laughs> These all end with, with all the good players in Toronto, though, so you're not completing the trade. That's how these always work. Just like Stephen Stamkos. There'll probably be a three-way trade with, uh, with Brandon Saad also going to Toronto. And right. Taves, maybe. just that, So he could play number two center behind Austin Matthews. Right. Makes sense. Uh, let's look at some of these teams. Craig put this in Craig's list. The, the teams that are the surprise teams in the NHL right now. How many do you have? Six? Yeah, I think you had six. Yeah. Which ones have the best chance of sticking around. And the six teams are, let's put these in order. The six teams are Vegas, New Jersey, L.A., Winnipeg, Vancouver, and Colorado. Well, I already did put them in order, Luke. Let's yeah. just read Craig's story on the air dramatically. <laughs> it's like audible. Well, give Make us Craig read his stories. Or actually, right. don't give the, us your here's, order. Here's how you As don't, don't give... Okay, yeah, yeah. Jamie. Here's the quarter pole <laughs> of the 2017-18 season. How's the NHL? Six teams of it. It's not approaches, inspiring me. Approaches the quarter pole. You know, all of a sudden, like, go well, <laughs> that's just horrible. That's terrible. Go ahead. Uh, what has let, happened? Let, <laughs> okay, one, two, three, four, five, six. What? What is your? Or you have the six teams? I have the head? six teams. So right. we're, we're just, saying, just read Craig's walk-off line for each of them, which I left I, in. I did read those. <laughs> yes, you left in because that's Jamie humor at its finest. Uh, you, you, the question is, which ones are most likely to stay around and make the playoffs? LA is number one. Yes, that's okay. who I had number one. Who do you have number one, Jamie? Winnipeg. Winnipeg. Okay. Really? I, I've said that to you. Really? I, 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 I'm going to. I, this, is, this is the hill. Like, I've said All Winnipeg, right. if they get halfway decent goaltending, they are in the Western Conference final. I believe that. Paul Maurice says that. that's an oversimplification. Or whatever. He should Too just bad. be embracing the I believe it. Working. I think he was trying to build up his goalies. I believe it. I think Winnipeg's scoring is way more sustainable than LA scoring. Obviously, That's LA has. You don't see Dustin Brown averaging a point a game. You know, you know what? Some, something about it just, it just doesn't seem okay. right. But right. Winnipeg and LA are close. I think they're both playoffs. Number two for you, Luke. Uh, I'd have Winnipeg. Number two, I LA. All right. So there we, what did you have, Craig? I had LA, Winnipeg. Okay. Number, Number three, three, New Jersey. Yeah, we're all lockstep Jersey. Jersey? Yep. Lockstep Jersey. Jersey. Okay. <laughs> Number four. Sounds like an episode. This is of where it gets interesting, right? Number four. Actually, this is where it gets less interesting as far as... We have Vegas, Vancouver, and Colorado. There's a, there's, a, there's a gap now. Yeah. I think L.A., Winnipeg, and New Jersey... I think L.A. and Winnipeg are definitely making the playoffs, and I think New Jersey is... I think we're, we're going to be talking about New Jersey for a while. Yeah, we'll get to New Jersey in just a second. So who's fourth? I'm sorry. Who's fourth? Is that better, Chris? Or is this better? Which is better? Just, this or this? taking shots at Chris okay. now, who, by number the way, controls one? the audio. Oh, I just or woke, number I woke two. him up. Number no, one. He's not awake. He <laughs> or number two. Like the eye, <laughs> yeah. the eye doctor. I, I'm going to see any since, since Luke really? won't speak. I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to go. Love with, to speak. You guys are talking about going I, to the eye doctor. I'm going to go with Vegas against my better judgment. This show is the equivalent of when they like shoot that puff of air into your eye. That's what this us oh, the glaucoma test. Yeah. Is that what that is? I think yes, they stopped doing that actually. Oh, really? No, they yeah. certainly have not. Oh, okay. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think we just had it yesterday. <laughs> that the problem is you sit there too and you're anticipating it, which yeah. is worse. And so then they just, get just mad do it. They like, oh wait, you're closing your eye. You are blowing air into my eye. This Jamie, is your fault. Jamie just did it yesterday. He actually enjoys it. Jamie this is goes your back fault. Every he just week. goes back. Yeah. Just can you do that thing? It gets him fired up. No, it is. It's remarkable that they get mad at you for having a human reflex that they're testing you to have. Yeah. Uh, I will also say Vegas just because of what their record is right now, and because I think there there are a lot of bad teams in the West, and they have goaltending, which including they, the two that we're about to mention, and they still get to play the Coyotes. <laughs> I think. So those are free wins. I think. Look, those top four teams, L.A., Winnipeg, New Jersey, and if we're... Are you saying Vegas, too, Craig? Yes, Vegas was fourth yeah. on my list. They all have goaltending, mm-hmm. which is not the only reason that I picked them, but that's why they would be at the top of my list. It, that's definitely why Vegas gets an advantage over Vancouver and Colorado. Colorado's in rebuild mode. I mean, they've admitted it. And yet competitive, which I haven't figured out, but I haven't figured out Vancouver either. So who goes first for you, Vancouver or Colorado? Who drops out first? No, who's, yeah, no who's number five on this list? So who's who's the... Second least likely to make the playoffs, Vancouver. Vancouver. Yes. And then Colorado. I don't think Colorado. Vancouver. The Colorado. Yeah. yeah, I'll go with that as well. Neither one of those teams is. Making no, I'm not excited about either of those teams. They're not making the playoffs. Yeah, but what five of those teams? But here's are in the thing: Vancouver Conference. is just dumb enough to think that they're contenders, mm-hmm. that they might actually like try to win a few games, where Colorado knows where they're at. That's, I think, a compliment for somebody. I don't, I don't know who. But, uh, I'm just going to get a Red Wings reference in here. I'll hit like oh, hit boy. Jamie Natural Hatchet Bingo. <laughs> yeah, we should. Craig and I should play Jamie Bingo without telling you what's on the card one of these times. So, New Jersey. Let's go back to them for a second. Shall we? 24 points leading the Metro. Uh, I don't think it's crazy that they make the playoffs, not just in the context of the six teams we were talking about, but in the Eastern Conference. And they are the only team from those six that you brought up, Craig, that is in the Eastern Conference. If they get in... Somebody good is missing in the Metro Division, at least, if mm-hmm. not from the Atlantic. Who is that team? The Rangers? Islanders? Is it probably the Islanders? Okay. One of those two teams. New York? That's pretty yeah, New York will miss. New York. We'll just say New York. Let's cover our bases. Mm-hmm. So I, I built up that a good team was going to miss, and then you guys both came at me with the Islanders. That's just really... But remember when Nico Heesher well, we yeah, okay. we was going to be right a team either, are they? No, but I think that has more pizzazz than saying the Islanders are going to miss the playoffs. Okay. Yes. The Nico Rangers Heischer. will miss the playoffs. <laughs> Thank you, Generic. I was waiting for you to do like the They're Sam Rosen. They're horrible. I thought you could do a Sam Rosen voice there for a second. Do you have a Sam Rosen impression? I don't have a Sam Rosen. Okay. I just like the Bill Walton impersonations. I didn't even know Craig had any impersonations. So is, is no, for... It's Ryan Chuck Powell's coattails. You guys remember him. Before, okay. right? For a number one pick. He had the best Bill Walton impersonation He ever. did. You is anybody Bill flying under the radar more than he's here? No, and he's been good. I, that, it's odd to me. Well, it's, I mean, they, I know he's not they, McDavid or Matthew, so nobody talks about him. But, but they had those two other guys too get up to just such red hot starts, and will you know Will Butcher and, and is it Jesper? I think it's Jesper Bratt. Yeah, Jesper versus. I don't Jesper. care what they say in New York. Jesper, Jesper, Jesper. Uh, he sure has fourteen points. Lisp I don't said? know what that. <laughs> You're from New York. I think you, you had a lisp when you said that. I don't know what that was supposed to be, but it just happened. You are from New York, correct? Yes. Okay. As is Chris. Can you, can you get back into that? I don't know. I, I, it only happens when I start arguing. I have to like legitimately get into it, be around a bunch of people from New York, and then we start arguing about something, and then. It, well, it isn't the second half of that pretty obvious if the first half is? Yeah, I mean, fair. Okay. Fair. Okay. Uh, so Taylor Hall's still a superstar. Cool. Yeah. yeah. That's we knew that. This is a playoff team, I think. Yeah, I really Travis Ajak is coming back, remember. That's yeah. true, yeah. They're going to add that piece. And Corey and, Schneider and Brian Boyle, I think, great. gave this team a shot in the arm, too, to help sustain it. It was such an emotional return for him. And when he scored that goal, the reaction that was, was cool. It was priceless. Yeah, yeah. They're a fun team. Yeah. We, I know They're we've asked. We've touched on this in the past, but I think it bears repeating as they continue to hang on, right now leading the Metro Division. To me, it's not that they are off to a good start this season that's impressive. It's that they have completely changed the identity of their team from like a year and a half ago being a lot of guys that either weren't NHL caliber or were, you know, in their really in their late 30s and not anything amazing. It's not like you were, I mean, I guess they had Yager for a little bit, but they were just a team that had no identity, no speed, and not really many prospects. And now they're one of the more entertaining teams in the league to watch, and they're young. Totally agree with that. And they're yeah. getting contributions throughout their lineup, too. It's not just one or two guys that are really carrying the way anymore. Yeah. Uh, they, they've become a fun story this season. Uh, Montreal, everything good? They're set? No? Yeah, yeah it's everything's great. It's all fine. Other than, you know, Carey Price might want to play in Edmonton. No, they or just Vancouver said somewhere west. Saskatoon? 
I don't know. Moose Jaw? Is Moose, Moose Jaw's got to be West. Everything's West of Montreal, yes. pretty much. I mean, Nova Scotia's not. But. He doesn't want to play for Nova Scotia. Okay. Uh, last thing. Games in Sweden. Sweden. He doesn't want to play in Sweden either. No, that's, that's not they, West unless you go around the What is the, the NHL world? accomplishing here? What are they trying to do? Grow the game. You don't need to grow the game in not Sweden. Not Sweden. Yeah. How many people are in Sweden? Kind of aware of that game already. They're all good at hockey. So what are we doing? What are they doing? Are, is, the, is the hope one day to expand? I, I don't know if any teams can actually expand into Europe and any of the sports franchises in North America. Just, I, even if you had to create a whole division, probably. And they were like very, if, I mean, they were very standoffish today when somebody asked Gary Bettman about a 30-second team. But again, I mean, shocked Gary Bettman was standoffish about a question. But I, I don't know. I don't know what they're trying to accomplish. This is when we really actually should have Sebastian Doran on the show. Right? Yeah, we and, should ask him. If only there was some sort of like event. Oh, yeah. If only Luke hadn't blackballed him. Uh, yeah, I know. It'd be good. We're waiting for Jamie to go back to Alabama, which is like next week, isn't it? In January. What, what but if only right there now? was some, like, well, Luke, think about it. If, if there's only an international event where, like, you could you could take players from different countries and have them all together in like a location, have some sort of tournament. Yeah. Huh. If there's only something they could do that to help grow the game. So the World Cup of Hockey is what you're. Yeah, talking exactly. About. Okay. Yeah, that was exactly what I was thinking of. If there's only something like that that the NHL could do, it's an interesting participate idea. in. You what know, it would be great. They should probably have one in like the winter, though, right? Not, yeah, not in yeah, September. Yeah, yeah. Right, that makes sense. Winter, just, would, winter would be a good idea. Like maybe, you don't want to do it every year. It's so like maybe every four uh, years. Four, yeah, you know, that's about right. Okay. You, you don't want to oversaturate it. Yeah, that would okay. be too much. Yeah, no, no. But I no, no, let's, let's play November regular season games in Sweden. Okay. You can't have them in uh, the Southern Hemisphere then, though. I'm just throwing that out there because winter's reversed. Oh, yeah. See, here's Craig coming in with his geography again. Are there any hockey playing nations in the southern hemisphere? I just heard Chris sigh. I mean, hockey's big in Chile. <laughs> Chile. Chile. Uh, the population of Sweden is 9.9 million. And is that after Seven already play hockey? It is. Because the population of California is like 40 million. Yeah. So just to put it in perspective, and everybody in Sweden's in the NHL, it feels like. And they're all good. Like, there's not like any like fringe. See, it doesn't feel like Sweden. Why can't we have players. a European division? Why can't we just do it? I want to go on one of those road trips, obviously. Yeah, that's why you want yeah. to happen. Stockholm, Helsinki, Prague, Cologne, Bern, Bratislava. No. We're at the point where Craig's just uh, naming cities here. So we're going to wrap this up. This geography yeah. lesson has been brought to you by our right. friends at PBS. We, uh, we're going to have former Coyotes president and CEO Anthony LeBlanc call in right now to talk to Craig Morgan. So here we go. All right. We are, we are joined on the line right now by former Coyotes president and CEO Anthony LeBlanc. Anthony, obviously some awful news today on the passing of former Coyotes owner George Gosby. I hesitate to even ask what your emotions are because I can imagine they're they're all over the place right now. But what, what was your reaction when you found out? Well, first off, it was it was just complete disbelief. Um, I was literally getting ready to, to take off on a flight. And uh, at Craig Stewart, one of our former partners, emailed a few of us and, and just you know, reading it, it just didn't sink in. Um, so then I had, you know, an hour and a half to myself, having just received that news. And uh, I'm just, as I said, I'm in disbelief. Uh, I mean, George, is, you know, was a young guy, late 40s, and, you know, uh, was a dear, dear friend. And, you know, uh, as I think I said to you earlier, Craig, uh, you know, next to Gary Bettman, I don't think there's anybody that's more important in for the fact that the Coyotes are still playing in Arizona. So, yeah, I'm, I'm devastated. Walk us through that, Anthony. I'm not sure if people are aware of all the details of why George was so instrumental in keeping this team here, um, you know, when they, when they were coming out of league ownership and there was the possibility of relocation. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, it's it, it's probably the history lesson or, or a reminder of the past that people try to forget about. But, you know, obviously there was the several years where the, the league owned, owned the club trying to find uh, appropriate ownership, and, and a number of groups came came and went. Uh, one of the first groups was actually a, a different group that I was a part of, and you know it always came down to money. And the problem was that you know, and there were some owners, you know, in particular uh, or potential owners, and in particular a guy like Matt Holsizer definitely had the financial wherewithal, but just wasn't able to construct a deal that was appropriate with the city or what he felt was appropriate. But you know, the other groups, including my first foray, we just couldn't raise the equity, so. When you know, I was introduced to George back in, I guess that would have been the early days of 2013 by you know my my partner in crime, Daryl Jones, and how we introduced him was this is a guy I think that might be able to get us across the line in regards to raising the appropriate equity, and I mean that would have been in like January, and 
George had, you know, within two months of, of meeting him and getting together and, and, you know, kind of structuring what the deal would look like, he had the money essentially raised within two months. And then it took us from, you know, March to August to get everything tied up with, you know, the loans we were focused on, as well as the deal with the city, as well as, you know, obviously a final deal with the NHL. But if it wasn't for George, you know, it's all fine and good to want to own a team, but you've got to have the capital. And he was the guy to put that together. And, and that's why I say, you know, I humbly feel that I had something to do with the team staying, but George was the most important piece, and that was the raising of that equity. And um, he was the guy that got it done. Aside from that role, Anthony, who was the guy that you came to know? Who was George Cosby? Oh, I mean, it, 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 whenever someone passes, you start hearing all of what you think are cliches, but you don't realize them until someone as close as George was to me passes that, you know, those, those words are the ones that make the most sense. Like, he was larger than life. I mean, you, you couldn't be in a room with, with George Gosby, you know, and, and not laugh. I mean, first and foremost, if you heard his laugh, most people laugh because he had a very unique, uh, gregarious laugh. But, you know, he was very, you know, kind of the center of attention, not that he wanted to be, he just was. Um, and, you know, just he, he knew everybody. Uh, I was just reflecting earlier, and it's kind of almost eerie to think about it now, but I remember George telling me that his kids used to joke with him that, you know, on his uh, tombstone, they were going to have the words, I was there. And I'm like, I don't get it. And he said, because pretty much every major event I've been to, and it's, I started thinking about it. Like he would go to every Super Bowl, and he'd go to, you know, the World Series, and, and uh, I think he was at every final game in the NHL, you know, the Stanley Cup playoffs in the last several years. He just loved living his life. That's, you know, why I'm so sad that my, my friend who, who loved life more than most um, isn't here to live it anymore. Just one last thing for you, Anthony. I know you've been in touch with a bunch of the, the former partners. Just, I, I guess, what, what's the general reaction right now? And, and how, does it, how does it come to this? It, 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 George, the guy that I knew was a guy that was full of life. It, it's just so surprising to me that, that this has happened. Yeah, I mean, I think we're all in absolute shock. I mean, that's really the only word that describes it. Uh, you know, I've been in touch with, with, as I said, Craig Stewart and Gary Drummond and uh, Bob Gwynn. Um, you know, we're all just kind of like, this just doesn't add up. It just doesn't make sense. Um, you know, we were all in New York. You know, George wasn't with us, and we were kind of surprised he wasn't able to make it, but we were all in New York when the Coyotes were in town to play the Rangers. And I remember we were talking, and it's like, oh, too bad George isn't here. And we all went off and talked about George. And I remember the theme was, he was beauty, you know, and, and, you know, but none of us had any sense that this was coming. So, yeah, I think we're, we're all just in shock. And uh, you always are when these types of things happen. And um, now I just want to, you know, put my thoughts together and remember my friend and former partner in the way he should be remembered. All right, Anthony, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. My, my sincere condolences. I know this is a big loss for you. I know you guys were close. Yeah, it's, it's a big loss for anybody in the Coyotes community as well. Uh, George was, was a very important part of that, albeit it was just for a brief period of time, but it was certainly an important period. So uh, I do appreciate the condolences. All right. Thanks, Anthony. All right. Obviously, very sad news today. Uh, you know, I, I think a bunch of us in the Coyotes community, Jamie, you're probably one of them, got to know George Gosby a little bit. I, I just, like like Anthony said, I remember this this larger-than-life, infectious personality. George always had such a positive energy coming off of him. I remember when he started doing the tailgates outside yeah. Gila River, when he bought that, like, $75,000 Ford F-150 Raptor, and he was, he was he had all the supplies in the back of it, and he's basically feeding Coyotes Nation. They're doing a cookout. That That's kind of the guy that he, that I remember, that, that I will remember. Yeah, he always had a smile on his face, too. He, he very much enjoyed doing that, and, and you know... It, it's always so so strange for an owner in, in sports to kind of be that close to the fan base, and especially a fan base that was on edge for a half a decade, wondering, you know, would we even have a hockey team in this market for a long time? And, you know, I remember the tailgates. You know, I remember the times where, you know, he would make go out of his way to interact with as many fans as possible, whether it was in the arena, whether it was around the arena, before and after games. You know, it, it's those types of moments that, you know, on the outside make it remember George Gosby for being that type of a person. And then from a, just a, a business standpoint, I mean, who knows where the Coyotes would be playing hockey right now if he hadn't stepped in and helped the, the, the old Ice Edge guys, uh, as Anthony put it, get over the, the, the finish line in terms of raising capital. Because yeah. he brought up some of the old, you know, the Matthew Holsizer names, and, you know, he didn't bring it up, but, you know, the Greg Jamesons of the world. And there, it was a long path uh, to get the team under stable ownership and ownership in this market. And 
Gosby played an unbelievable role in that happening. So, you know, even if you didn't have a chance to interact with him at tailgates, uh, he's, he's somebody that you need to remember as a Coyotes fan. There's a big reason why the hockey in this market is still here. And for those who do remember interacting with him, remember him for the times that he put a smile on your face, put a smile on his face, and how he was always just looking to create moments and be part of moments. Yeah, a former owner, Daryl Jones, I got a chance to catch up with him earlier today, too. And he, he told me George was the one that put the equity group together. Daryl has known him for a couple decades, you know, through business. But when they were trying to figure out how they were going to raise that equity, Daryl told Anthony LeBlanc, I got a guy. And he went to him, and it, and it happened pretty quickly after that. George was the one that, that made all this happen. So our condolences to the family. Um, it, you know, I think we all met his daughter, Isla. She was around yes. quite a bit. Another big personality as two Always sons Always smiling as well. As well. Yep. Yeah. So our heartfelt condolences to the family and to the Coyotes organization and greater community. Yeah, I mean, you could just you could tell that he truly loved the sport. And like, like Anthony just said, you um, – you couldn't be in a room with him without knowing he was there. Like he wasn't somebody that just blended into the background, whether he was, you know, trying to be the center of attention or not. It's just sort of his personality, which was really sort of perfect for the Coyotes uh, when, when he first stepped in. So, yeah, I just echo what you guys and, and what Anthony just said, and we will uh, we'll wrap up the show right now. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hattrick Podcast.